I am Brother Cornell West, and this is Hip Hop Can Save America. Peace and love, everybody. It's your man, Manny Faces. Just wanted to let you know that Hip Hop Can Save America is now available as a live stream show every Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. You can find it at hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Excerpts from that show will be played here on the audio feed, so you'll still get the good interviews that you've been used to. But check out the live stream and check out my free Substack newsletter at mannyfaces.substack.com. That's filled with all kinds of stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and generally hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. For everything hip-hop can save America, hiphopcansaveamerica.com. For everything Manny Faces, mannyfaces.com. And if you find value in this work, you can support it. We'd love to have you aboard as a supporter at patreon.com slash mannyfaces. Now let's go. On this episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's smartest hip hop podcast, hip hop meets the orchestra. We'll hear from the Phantom, who's been merging the worlds of classical and hip hop music for more than 20 years, delivering his Illharmonic Orchestra's world-class mashup to stages from the Kennedy Center to Carnegie Hall. Sounds like music to our ears. My name is Manny Faces. Let's go. The thing about hip-hop uh, today is it's smart. It's insightful. The, the way that they can communicate uh, a complex message in a very short space is, is remarkable. And a lot of these kids, they're not going to be reading the New York Times. That's not how they're getting their information. So hip hop didn't invent anything, but hip hop reinvented everything. Peace and love. Happy Halloween weekend. Perhaps a perfect time to talk to not just a phantom, but the phantom. The maestro behind the magnificent Illharmonic Orchestra melding the worlds of hip-hop and classical music. It's a fascinating, long-overdue discussion, and I can't wait till we get into it. Uh, but first, very quickly, a few small updates and changes to the Hip-Hop Can Save America ecosystem. First, we have a free newsletter that I think you'll love. It's called The Hip-Hop Advocate. It's a weekly or so hand-picked collection of articles and news items that highlight innovative and inspiring uses of hip-hop music and culture, just like this podcast does. Plus, special notices about, you know, hip-hop-related conferences, seminars, maybe book releases, all the super smart hip-hop-y kind of stuff you've been coming here for. There's a bunch of great stories on this latest edition that I just put out, talking about a video music box documentary, artists pushing for a criminal justice reform, a Jay-Z's venture fund, hip-hop in universities, and much more. I think you'll love it. There's a sign-up link at hiphopadvocacy.org. Second, this show and the newsletter is supported by listeners like you. If you find any value in our work, the podcast, the newsletter, please feel free to help support the cause through a one-time or ongoing donation. We don't do hip-hop gossip, clickbait, or lowbrow journalism here. Strictly advocating for hip-hop's ability to uplift humanity. I want to thank our faithful day ones who have been supporting us and helping us stay independent all this time and, uh, and even turn down some opportunities that might have helped with our reach, but not necessarily our integrity. So please consider becoming a part of this important journalistic movement at patreon.com slash hip hop advocacy. And lastly, I do a pretty good job speaking about how hip hop music and culture can help benefit whatever it is you might be into. 
from education to health and wellness, to science and technology, to social justice, to business and entrepreneurship. If you want to learn more about hip hop as a tool for innovation, hit me up. Visit hiphopspeaker.com. Now, let's get into it. Here's my talk with The Phantom. The Phantom, right? Yes. Is that how we say it? Like the, like the, not a phantom. The. The Phantom. Yes. <laughs> What's up, my man? I appreciate your time. Thank you for finally, uh, uh, and it's on me, not you, uh, but finally uh, blessing me with your presence. I appreciate you, your time and your work. Uh, please let the people know how you present yourself to the world and uh, give them an idea of why we're talking today on Hip Hop Can Save America. So uh, I am The Phantom. Uh, I mix hip hop with classical music and have toured with uh, my own orchestra known as the Ill Harmonic. I've been combining hip hop with live orchestration probably since 1987 uh, when I mixed the Beastie Boys, Paul Revere with Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. The rest is, uh, the rest is history, as they, as they say. Uh, I, I am honored to, to be a part of this podcast and I've um, you know, been, been following you for a while, so I greatly appreciate the opportunity. Now, likewise, uh, the feeling is mutual. I've been watching you for a minute. Not since 1987, though. That's, you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't hanging around that that long ago. I mean, I was around. Right. You know, uh, I was playing uh, Paul Revere in 1987. Right. And you know, it's funny. Just obviously, uh, as a DJ, I also spin. I do some things. I always love the, what is it? The Walter Murphy band. Yeah. Uh, Beethoven's Fifth, the disco yeah. version of that joint. Fifth of Beethoven. Fifth of Beethoven. That's yeah. it. So it's always been like a favorite thing of mine. So obviously, to you know, to come up and, and start uh, tracking folks and, and paying attention to folks who are using hip hop in innovative ways outside of what would be typically known as mere entertainment. Right. You know, folks who are using orchestration, full ensembles, full orchestras. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I've seen some some of the you know, our, our icons, Pharrell Monch rocking with a live band. You've seen Nas mm -hmm. do it right. uh, with the symphony orchestras and such. So. So it's a beautiful thing when you when you witness it. Um, right. And I know that you've been kind of uh, just in the center of that for so long mm -hmm. uh, before they might have been doing it. You know what I mean? Like For sure. It's like people do hip hop theater. It's like, yeah, I mean, Hamilton's nice, but we've yes. been doing this. <laughs> <laughs> right. For sure. Yeah. So and tell me about the history of like how you started putting this together, how long you've been rocking this this concept of merging these two worlds. So, so for me, I, I grew up in a, a household that was full of music. You know, my, my father had a large record collection. He wasn't a DJ, but he had everything from, from Motown to Mozart. And my mom, you know, she sang in the church choir and she was always singing around the house. And, you know, she put me in flute and piano lessons when I was like eight years old, you know, mm -hmm. to, to, to really kind of keep me out of trouble. I was, um, you know, uh, uh, we we lived in a rough neighborhood, so you know she had to give me some extracurricular activities so I wouldn't be out there in the streets. Understood. Where'd you grow up? Where was this? I grew up in North Philly before the crack epidemic. So if you can if you can imagine, you know it, it was a neighborhood then yeah. um, got transformed into something totally different in the late eighties and, and the early nineties. But for me, you know, having had that that background in music, you know, I remember vividly my my brother bringing home Paul Revere, you know, and sat there and listening to it and. For me, the zhoo, 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 right. like I heard all of that. And at once, you know, I'm sitting there on the living room floor. I may have been 12 or 13, man, and, and said, hmm, I wonder if this will go with. And then, you know, we had this double tape deck turntable. So I recorded, you know, the beat from the Beastie Boys on one, you know, uh, recorded some scratches in from Paul Revere, you know, had a whole bunch of hiss and air in it. But, you know, it was it was my creation. And I really didn't realize what I created back then because there was no there was no blueprint for that right like sure 
people were rocking over over break beats and James Brown and things like that. But no one had really, really kind of put orchestration. I mean, the fifth of Beethoven had, had existed, but no one was doing it as far as a, as a hip hop context. And I yeah. remember what I did and I took it to my to my best friend's house and I played it for him and he popped the tape out and threw it across the room and told me it would never work. From that moment, I was bonded to it, right? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm going to show you what it is that I'm going to do. And a few years later, right? you know, I'm, I'm rocking with the with the Philadelphia Orchestra and the Chamber Orchestra of Philadelphia. And then I formed my own ensemble. And I still speak to that cat to this day. And every time I, you know, every time I see him, I tell him, I'm like, listen, you're responsible for this, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep. This is you. Uh, just testimony to the fact that sometimes the negative, you know, not negative. I'm sure he wasn't trying to, you know, just wasn't on the same wavelength as you, right. you know, and, right. but sometimes that's the motivating factor. Uh, right. So how does that jump happen? Uh, first of all, before I do that, I want people to know that this is no gimmicky flash in the pan. How many times yeah. have y'all performed as the Ilharmonic, you know, and, and, and some of the places that you have performed? And then we'll come back to like how it's more current. But just to let people know where we're going with this. Right. Let them know. Yeah. I mean, so every time we take the stage, it has it has an orchestral ensemble we've been doing this for i'd say maybe 23 24 years on stage with 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 an ensemble we know we performed at the kimmel center carnegie hall um the kennedy center you spoke about nas we we sold out that same room that he filmed um the 20th anniversary of ilmatic with um the national symphony orchestra you know we performed at benaroya hall with a 60 piece orchestra um that was part of the amazon symphony orchestra um, you know, we've we've taken it to some places, man, and it's 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 never been a gimmick for us because this is how I hear the music, you know, and, and yeah. you know, whenever I, I put together an orchestration, it's always with a full ensemble in mind. You know, even yeah. if we're doing a cover, like I'll stretch something out, like we will do a cover of the roots or we'll do a cover of, of something else, you know, the the symphony or, or cream or something like that. I'll I'll put a orchestral feel to it. So for me, this is always how how I've heard the music. So it's never been a gimmick for us, um, you know, it, but it's been an enjoyable experience because now you have people who, who like us grew up in our, our age group, you know, who, who've listened to the classical, listened to hip hop, and they have children who now play the cello or play the violin or play the piano and they're bringing them in their front stage and they see people who look like them mm-hmm. playing hip hop, you know, yeah. and that's, that's, the, that's the most important part for us. Yeah. And, and believe me, I know it can be, I don't want to say insulting, to even use the word gimmick with what you do, yeah. but I never know who's listening to this. You know what I mean? Absolutely. The, the heads know. We already know. You don't have to tell us. You don't have to explain right. it. But for some folks, you know, and to be fair, you know, the way hip hop is portrayed to the rest of the world, if you're not familiar with the culture or the, you know, inner workings and the, and the kind of uh, intersections that we're talking about today, you know, you just don't know. You haven't been exposed right. to it. Absolutely. So how does that jump happen from being kind of musically minded. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I went, I had middle school. I, had, I played the trombone. I didn't right. like it. I switched to the cello. You mentioned the right. cello. I wanted to play the harmonica. Wow. Because my dad was a blues and jazz guy. Right. Yeah. So I'm listening to, you know, uh, Muddy Waters and, you know, and, and folks like that, you know, on the, yeah. you know, Howlin' Wolf. And I'm trying to, right. I, I want to play the harmonica. They don't, they don't offer that in, you know, in like right. middle, middle <laughs> school, you know what I mean? So right. I was like, ah. so I had to play these other things um, yeah. and I never took to it, but I was already kind of, even in the, you know, my teens, I was already, as we were coming up kind of parallel to hip hop, right. you know, my ear was tuned to the radio. My ear was tuned to, to R&B slash hip hop stuff. Right. If you had introduced this to me in, in, in school, I would have been much more eager to figure right. out how to, you know what I mean? How to play, you know, Eric B, you know, rock him joints on the cello. Like, you know, so I can see where obviously this gets young people engaged. 
Right. But but you were setting a, a blueprint. You said there was no blueprint. You made the blueprint. Right. How do you, how do you take that from being a musically minded person uh, mm-hmm. with some you know hip hop influences, right, and turning it into now putting these things together, not just in your living room on a pause tape. You know what I right. mean? So so for me, the you know uh, I, I knew that there was something more than just snatching uh, a sample of Beethoven or Vivaldi or, or, or something like that. For right. me, I always kind of envisioned, all right, now I, I want to, you know, envision myself fronting the Boston Pops or fronting the Philadelphia Orchestra. Um, and then when we got the opportunity, um, I remember early on um, the Kimmel Center, which is Philadelphia's version of, of Carnegie Hall, started opening up like they broke ground. And uh, there was a newspaper article about a gentleman who was looking to bring in a different audience to to the classical realm. I mean, you can only play Beethoven's Ninth so many times before your subscribers need something else or they age themselves out, which is what's happening now in classical music, you know. Um, Interesting, yeah. So, you know, I went down there, I, 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 you know, asked for a meeting and I played him my stuff and he was like, wow, this is awesome. Let's see if we can combine what it is that you do with some, you know, some Philadelphia Orchestra members, you know, and I'm I'm blown away. Like, here I am, a kid from North Philly. Like, this is happening. Now, my dream is happening. What you were know? you bringing them? Like, what 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 was your, you know, demo? You know, like, did just you and like some concepts or did you have some people playing already or what was it? So I I, I had already sampled stuff. Um, right. And I, I, I was at that point where I was mixing like three or four different orchestrations in, you know, much, much like the way. Premiere would 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 layer samples that makes them sound like I was doing that, um, you know, at that time with, with classical music. With the vision to say, let's do this live. Let's do right, this live. right. Yeah, I had yeah, already had I had already had full out songs with three verses and choruses and like over this over this music. So it was it was a fully formed idea. I just didn't have sheet music at the time, right? Um, you it. know, so so we can we combine that. And, you know, we wound up doing a, a performance at the Philo, uh, at the um, Kimmel Center and it was their summer solstice celebration. And I remember it vividly because we drew a bigger audience than Itzhak Perlman, who was also performing at this celebration. Right. So there's lines around the, the theater, you know, in anticipation of what this is going to be. Right. And we, you know, we rocked it. I don't even know classical and I know who you're talking about, which is, exactly, you know what I mean? Like, right? yeah. <laughs> um, the downside is that, you know, um, that can only travel so far because if you can imagine me trying to then drive, drag 50 to 60 year old white people out to a club to reproduce this, you know, I realized that I had to go in a different direction. So I started right. reaching out to colleges and it started local. I reached out to Temple, Drexel, LaSalle mm-hmm. and all this to try to get younger musicians who, like myself, grew up listening to hip hop. And that's when it really kind of took off, because now you can see people who know the music. They know both the classical side and the hip hop side, and they they love the fact that it's it's being combined and you can see it in the play. And that translates to the audience. So then we started seeing more people who look like us in the audience. And that kind of mm. grew from there. Um, and that, that allowed us to, to kind of get our get our name known. And and then, you know, get into places like Carnegie Hall and the Kennedy Center and, yeah. and things like that. Um, and that's that's kind of how that how that jump happened. But it all started with me knocking on the door saying, hey, listen to this. If you're looking for something new. Right. Got it. Well, it's good to have somebody that received that. You know what I mean? Like yes. sometimes we're, we're knocking on doors and we have that vision and we have the, you know, that connection. And you get people that are, you know, opposed to that. I'm sure that has come up in your travels. In other words, you may go to an institution and say, Hey, look, this is what we do. We've done it at the Kimball center. We've done it at Kennedy center. And they're like, yeah, but you know, we're not really 
it happens all the time. Like I, yeah. I still get people who are like, mm, I don't know if that's going to work. And I'm like, all right, well, what's, how much does it cost to rent out the theater? Right. And then, then we'll rent it out and we'll sell it out. And Oh, can we book you next time? Yeah, no, I'm good. Ah, okay. I'm good. I'm good. We don't, we don't pack the place with 2,500 and I own the box office. So I don't need to perform at this place anymore. because <laughs> right. I really made the money that I, that I need to make. So we get I like there. It. it. It's like getting the receipts. Absolutely. With the receipts, with the actual receipts. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, right? I like it. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, okay. so yeah, we've we've been met with that opposition, but you know, uh, I always tell any artist that's always starting, I always tell them, expect a thousand no's for every yes, but make those yeses count. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, what does an Ilharmonic production right. at the, what did you do at the Kennedy Center? What do you do? What does it look like to people that are like, you know, I get what you're talking about, but I haven't seen it or heard it. Right. Sell me. What is it? What is it? What does it look like in practice? It's a house party in a concert hall, man. Like we literally had people dancing in the aisle at the Kennedy Center. Like people will hit us up before. Like, oh, um, you know, should I, should I, how should I dress? Or am I allowed to clap? Like, no, yeah, it's a, it's a house party. Like seriously, right. like when you go to a place like Carnegie Hall, like People go there, they sit on their hands, they wait for the to, for people to to tell them when to applaud and you get the golf clap. No, man, we went in, I went in first song, I was like, I can't hear you. And from then we blew the roof off. Like that's it's a house party, man. And yeah. and I tell everybody that, like, expect to 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 come and enjoy yourself and scream and sing and dance and and do all the things that you would do at a at a regular concert. It's just at Carnegie Hall. Or the Kennedy um, Center. <laughs> right, right, right. Musically, what does it uh, consist of? You know, obviously, it's a, you're, you're working this pure blend. So I know there's right. going to be, you said covers, you said classical stuff. There's going right. to be interpolations. W- what does it, you know, look like or sound like, as it were, uh, musically? So it's a, it's, a, it's a little bit of everything. Like, I, I the majority is, um, you know, we, we have orchestrations that I built from from the ground up. Um, you know, we'll, we'll do some isolations where, you know, I'll, I'll do a section that, that, that has strings or, or, you know, I'll, I'll then flip into a cover of, of, um, Troy by Pete Rock and CL Smooth. And then I'll go back into, you know, um, uh, something original. And then I'll go into a, a medley that contains nothing but, but piano samples all the way from the bridges over to, to, you know, 50 cent. And then, mm-hmm. you know, so like, so it's, it's a combination of things and we're constantly hitting you with different things. We'll speed up the tempo. We'll slow it down we'll give you something that you recognize give you something that you know that's new do something truly old school you know but it's a combination of things and we keep the audience off kilter because none of our two shows are are the same like if we're traveling to to north carolina i'll throw in some j cole or rhapsody you know if we're traveling you know to miami i'll throw in some some trick daddy or or something like that like it's 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 really it really is a um a show like any other I, i would say who who's normally involved when we say ensemble orchestra? If you're in the if you're in that field, you know what that means. Right. Uh, obviously, we're talking about you know string sections, woodwinds, right. uh, you know <laughs> horns. You have a you have a wonderful uh, vocalist that rocks with you as well. Right. Tell me what the what what's the crew like. So, so normally we'll, we'll travel with a group of, of maybe six to eight and we'll pick up musicians along the way. And that's the beauty of it, of, of having, of having, you know, full autonomy over, over your sheet music and stuff like that. You know, I'll, I'll reach out, um, you know, months ahead of time and say, Hey, listen, we're coming to your town. Do you want to perform with us? I'll send the sheet music MP3s, you know, references and stuff like that. They'll practice. We'll get there. We'll practice with them. And then, you know, we'll run through a show. Um, What is that? 
what is, not to cut you off, what, is, what does that percentage look like? Like, uh, y'all folk, and then how many do you pick up when they're 60, 40, you know, 70, 30? Like, how many people well, yeah, do you Yeah, so, so um, our average size is about 15 to 20. Our, you know, huge size is, is 25 to, to, to 40. You know, so we'll, mm. so we'll pick up, you know, um, uh, a good 8 to 10, you know, on a, on a travel. Yeah, that's not insignificant. That's, you know, no, that's, that's folks coming, yeah. Absolutely, because the, the 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 best part for us is connecting with different musicians and giving them an opportunity, you know, to yeah. to, to perform in, in front of it. Like you know, many of these I mean, these people are conservatory trained, but they don't get an opportunity to perform even at the the grand concert hall in their area, right? Like right. I've had, you know, I, I put twenty five musicians on stage at um, Carnegie Hall. And for the majority of them, it was their first time ever playing there. And a lot of them are from the area, you know, mm. so it's just, you know, just as this is a treat for the audience, it's also a treat for the musicians, right? right. Um, the venue know, so and, the, and the format. Right. Because they're getting to do this. They're, they're in the, you know, the world famous place, but they're, yeah. they're kind of doing something they never probably would have even expected to, have, to be able to do there. Yeah, and we killed it, man. Like, we put yeah. B-Boys on the stage. I had B-Boy Ivan, the automator man. I had him doing backflips and spinning on his head center stage at Carnegie Hall, man. When does that yeah. happen? Yeah, we, yeah. Have, we have a, a very small, but, you know, respectful relationship with Carnegie Hall. And, right. you know, shouts to venues like that, venerable, uh, traditional organizations that are are really wholeheartedly welcoming uh, the type of work we're talking about here. You were going to mention uh, the vocalist situation, yes. please. We cannot, yes, that yeah. should be exalted. <laughs> the aforementioned vocalist is actually my wife. There you go. The the Phoenix. Um, yes. You know, she's, she's been rocking with me for uh, 20 years. We fell in love over over music um you know my our first date was i invited her to uh um uh, mary j blige concert didn't even know at the time mary j blige was her all-time favorite artist but i i knew right away that i i i, I liked this woman and i was you know going to spend a time with her so i picked yeah. her up in a limo and we went to the taj mahal in atlantic city and okay. she brought all of her mary j blige cds and sung all the way there and you know <laughs> i was like this is it i'm like this is perfect you know, this is perfect good call I yeah. mean, you can't go wrong with Mary, but, you know, good call. Yeah. Uh, yes. No, I've seen some of the, the footage, obviously, brings a great element into it. Absolutely. You know, and of course, y'all chemistry and being able to work together uh, on so many different levels uh, adds a, a dimension. You mentioned the treat for the, the musicians that you pick up and certainly the musicians that are like kind of in the core, you know, that rock with you wherever you go. Talk to me about young people and the opportunities you have to, to get in front of them where those opportunities arise, what, what you've done, what does that actually look like? And then how valuable that is for you and, and your, you know, your folks in the, in the crew and, uh, and what you get from young people's response to seeing y'all do what you do. Yes. So the, um, we've, we've had an overwhelming response. I would say uh, a large part of our demographic, you know, are our parents who bring their children to, you know, to, to come see this. And every once in a while, actually almost every show, we'll get an email. Um, someone will say, you know, my, my, my child is 10. He plays the cello. He would love to meet you you know, or, 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 or take a picture with you guys. And, you know, after the show, um, you know, we'll, we'll be in the lobby or we'll still be on stage and people will bring their children to the, to the side of the stage. And we'll, you know, we'll have these brief conversations. And for us, it's really rejuvenating because I know somewhere out there, 
there's the next Phantom, there's the next Phoenix, there's the next DJ Philly C who who may get motivated from seeing themselves on stage the way that I saw Prince and Michael Jackson and, and you know, all of these, you know, um, Barry White and his Love Unlimited Orchestra from seeing all of those things, you know, on stage and getting the ideas for the, for the things that, you know, we've been able to do. It's, it's really super rewarding, man. And we seek out those opportunities. Like, you know, I'll, I'll do speaking engagements at colleges and things of that nature and really talk about in addition to the music side, the business side, you know, the, the really rewarding part is, is the community outreach, you know, um, you know, getting getting to meet young people and, and steering them in a direction that my mom did when she put me in flute and piano lessons at, at eight, yeah. eight years old. That's dope. Uh, let me attach that. I think there's an attachment here. I think a connection <laughs> to the overall you said you mentioned earlier, you touched on it aging out the classical kind of music scene as a whole. We talked about it being a little bit resistant to change, although we've obviously you're getting in where you fit in to the places that are welcoming change. If you step back and say, forget, you know, me being the phantom, not just a phantom uh, (laughs) and looking at like what you love about classical music, what you love about the genre as it were, but the culture you know, behind it. It's kind of got a cultural thing to it. Right. And you said the Carnegie Hall sitting on your hands, that kind of vibe. Obviously, what you do, you're you're very excited to do it. You think it's valuable. Right. Overall, the scene as a whole, mm-hmm. welcoming enough, still kind of stuck in their Eurocentric past. Uh, you know, you know what I'm getting at here. Yeah. Uh, how how welcoming over time. You know, you've been doing it for 20 years. Do you see it getting better? Uh, do you see like some places that are just stalwart, blocking, and resistant? You'll never break that barrier uh, for reasons other than the fact that you're talented. Right. You know what I mean. Um, so it's it's still elitist, right? It's it's elitist. It's elitist music. What we've been able to do, and 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 other people like Black Violin and, and things of that nature, is show the musicianship of people who wouldn't normally be put in these positions to be on a Philadelphia orchestra or something like that. Um, and been able to, to, to make our own lane, but classical music as it is, is super elitist. And if you look at something like, like the Baltimore symphony, if you've ever been to the city of Baltimore, it's black and Brown, right? There's not one black or Brown person on the Baltimore symphony orchestra and not to just specifically call them out, but that's, you know, that's sort of the, the, the narrative across the United States, you know, uh, you can't tell me that there aren't black and brown musicians in that area or, or anywhere else that are worthy and deserving of being on these ensembles. So that's why what it is that, that we do and, and, and other people who who kind of, you know, jumped in the lane is to provide these opportunities, you know, for musicians who wouldn't necessarily normally normally get them. And, you know, and, and then you have all the soloists out there who are, who are doing their thing, you know, the mad violinist and guys like that who yeah. are, you know, carving out, carving out their own lane. There's um, a young lady too. And, and Zima, uh, and yeah. And uh, Zima. Yeah. Yeah. That does. I mean, fantastic. Absolutely. Right. You stuff, know, and, stuff, and, yeah. and just crushing it and, and, and killing it just to, to carve out a, a different lane and slowly, but surely, you know, these things are, are showing up in programming, right? Yeah event halls who wouldn't necessarily normally book these things see the value in it and it's it's starting from a monetary aspect of course they want to sell tickets but right. the reward is there's there's a different audience that's showing up right? right so now you're reaching people who who wouldn't necessarily normally feel welcome into these environments and they're coming and they're buying tickets and it's starting to change but it's it's a process man and i and i tell you 
Um, to be quite honest, like we used to get it from from both sides. We were classical enough for the classical community, and we were looked at as as aforementioned gimmicky. You know, I would I would show up to open mic nights with a string quartet. You know, and people were performing off the of tapes. You know, right. it's like it's it's a different 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 kind of thing. But you know, both sides have kind of warmed up to this to this idea because. We we just we just wouldn't stop, right? We're showing up, yeah. we're playing our faces off. The audience are is screaming and yelling, and there's nothing you're going to be able to do about it. So just book us, or you know, but right. you know, just don't stand in our way. Yeah, and I like that. You know, I, uh, discussion on the kind of the level that I'm at, where we look at not just hip hop and orchestra, you know, and you know, and, and orchestral music uh, blending, hip hop and education, hip hop and health and wellness, science and technology, uh, all of these, uh, all these combinations. There's that push and pull of we don't need to be accepted by the traditional institutions. No. You know what I mean? Like if they're not going to accept, like we don't have to, like we don't have to feel like we need that validation. No. But to be able to still kick down the door and say, I love what you said earlier. Like, all right, well, we'll just rent out the venue then. Right. And then and we'll sell it out and you'll you'll be left in our dust, which is always been hip hop. You're not going to put us on the radio. We'll do college radio. You're going to you're not going to sell us records. We'll make mixtapes. Yes. You're not going to miss. It's always been the hip hop spirit of doing things. So uh, we'll be to the folks from the traditional scenes that, you know, yes. uh, sleep. <laughs> on, on on how hip hop will come and you know mess up every industry and and take it over for themselves. Absolutely. So yeah, so just kudos for you know pushing forward and saying, well, we don't need their validation. We'd love to work with them. Like I'm sure you'd love to combine forces. It's Absolutely. great to be at Carnegie Hall, but yeah. if Carnegie Hall is not going to mention you, you know, bring you in, then I'd be like, I'll do a concert on the street corner outside of Carnegie Hall right. and make you wish that you had brought us in. Absolutely. <laughs> Tell me where y'all going to be next. It's obviously what caught my attention that it was a good timing because you're about to rock again and do this in, in real life. I guess COVID is probably throwing you guys off a little bit. Yeah. So we, we had a, we had a, a slow 2020. Yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, actually the, the, the last show we did in, in 2020 was at the Kimmel center and it was two days before the earth Everything. stood still. Right. Mm-hmm. So we were, we were in a venue in the Kimmel Center, shoulder to shoulder with people. <laughs> um, and two days later, they, they shut everything down. Um, but our, our, our upcoming show is October the 30th. We're rocking at Bates Recital Hall in, um, at the University of Texas. And this is a venue like we traditionally sell out. We usually do this venue twice a year, mm-hmm. um, but we haven't done it since since late 2019. Um, yeah. we're, we're coming back, man. And tickets are tickets are flying. We're looking to sell this one out as well. And then we're looking to you know, do some things in, in 2022, going to North Carolina for our, for our first time, um, you know, doing Hartford, Connecticut, going back to DC, Philly, um, Newark, New Jersey, trying to do something at the Newark Symphony Hall. Oh, I love, I, I lived in Newark for five years. I just awesome. moved from there. Um, I actually know the folks at Newark Symphony Hall. Awesome. Uh, th- yeah. Yeah. So. They're, they're awesome ladies, man. Um, I'm, I'm excited about the possibility of that. That's dope. Um, you know, we're, we're looking to, to move the South and further West and, and, and really try to try to get back into the spirit of things, you know, get it, yeah. get it kicked off, you know, um, post, well, we're still in, in the pandemic, but right. You know, right. Trying to work you through know, it. Right. Uh, in a, in a post COVID society, uh, yes. even though, even though we're not just like that post, <laughs> that's like that post racial society. Right. Um, 
Um, <laughs> uh, sounds dope. Um, I'm in Atlanta now, so awesome. I would appreciate if y'all could uh, make that happen so that I could witness you in person. Absolutely, yeah. We did G Tech a couple years ago, man. Where okay. I, I would love to come back down there or do the Rialto or do do anything in Atlanta. I, I love Atlanta, man. Yeah, so. yeah. I'm just I've been down here for for you know just since the summer. So uh, awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm you know figuring out what's going on out here. Uh, there's a lot of obviously uh, good vibes out here, and it's yes. uh, you know perfect for y'all. Um, so that's great, Austin, Texas. And then, you know, obviously other places, is there any uh, other, besides just doing more shows and more places, getting back to the swing of things, do y'all actually, I know this video, I've seen videos and such, do you put out albums? Do you put out, you know, recordings of what you do? Yeah, so I've, I've had three albums. First album was um, Hero Complex, um, and then I, I moved to Invisibility Factor, and then um, Maniac Maestro was my was my latest album came out in 2019 uh again the majority of it is is live orchestration like we'll we'll get in the studio um you know i'll score stuff out for for an ensemble and then you know we'll we'll record it you know my wife who who sings she's also she also rhymes um as well um you know so she's got a couple songs on there and now i'm working on working on her album it's coming along beautifully man we've got we've got a couple of songs and i think you know now is the opportunity for women in hip hop, unlike any other time before, or, you know, we used to get one or two. Now women are kicking ass and, right. and taking no name. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a good time, you know, I think for her to, to have a project. And um, I'd love to get her out there with the all female orchestra as well. Mm. I think that's, I think that'll be crazy. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right about uh, uh, women in hip hop. Uh, it's funny you say that. I talk about it all the time. Like there can only be one, but no, why should there only be one? Um, now you know they're actually saying no. There's going to be a bunch of us, and we're not right. you know taking no for an answer. Also, the time is good for these sort of intersections. I think it, you know it's it's really a it's just starting to bubble. Uh, you right. see. When you see the big names kind of do it and the big venues do it with yourselves uh, and like, you know, the Nas's of the world, right. uh, you know that there's something happening here and there's going to be more yes. and more opportunity. I've seen brass bands, rock, hip hop joints. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of these intersections cross shouts to pitch black brass band, my peoples. Awesome. Yeah, you know what I mean. So there's a lot of cool intersections happening uh, in this in these lanes. So it is a good time. And now that we're uh, all sick of being in the house, we'll come out for anything. So even <laughs> if we don't believe in it. You know what I mean, well, right. we'll okay, hip hop orchestra, let's, let's go. go, like you know, let's go, so, yeah. Um, but like I say uh, at the beginning, for those who you know may have tuned in, saying you know, mm, I don't know, Manny, you know, I can see hip hop in the schools, <laughs> I can see hip hop, you know, in mental health, but you know, right. hip hop in an orchestra, oh yes, please believe it. Austin, Texas, coming up uh, October thirtieth, thirtieth, yeah. All right, tickets will be probably sold out by the time we air this, but you know, at least uh, you'll have everyone will have FOMO uh, and, sure. they'll pay, and they'll pay attention. And how do they pay attention? How do they follow up with y'all and follow the movement uh, online and you know get all the info? So our website is thephantomhiphop.com. So T H E E phantomhiphop.com. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram, illharmonic dot orchestra on Instagram. Um, on Twitter, I'm thephantom five thousand. YouTube, it's just D Phantom. So you can you can follow us all over the place, man. And we greatly appreciate each and every last one of you who who choose to. Yeah, and don't be fooled. Don't don't just follow a phantom, like <laughs> a random phantom. 
you know, well, it's the, the Phantom. The Phantom. <laughs> I appreciate your time. I appreciate you putting up with, uh, you know, uh, my schedule and finally getting you on uh, to talk about this. But, you know, time is as good as, as any now that y'all out rocking again. Uh, I do look forward to actually, you know, witnessing what you do in, in person. So whenever you're within you know, a good radius, you might see me pop up. So For sure. keep on rocking. Keep on letting me know what you're doing. I'll be following. And I encourage and implore all the folks listening to the sound of my voice to do the same. Uh, the Phantom, thank you very much, man. I appreciate you. Anything else that... Uh, I haven't asked you or that you want to bring up or just, you know, put out there in the world. No, man, I greatly appreciate the time, man. I'm glad we were able to connect. Um, and we will definitely let you know when we're in the ta- in the area, man. So you can, so you can come check us out and we can hang. Yeah, that's was a hundred percent. Um, let me ask you one thing before we go. Uh, it's a question I ask a lot of folks, uh, who come on the show. The title of the show, uh, of course is hip hop can save America. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I mentioned that in a, you know, it's a lofty, concept right. uh, we may need a little bit more than that but i do honestly in my bones feel that hip-hop contains so many valuable assets that are unlike any other social movement any other cultural movement any religion any that can bring so many people and ideas together and, and combine them in the way that we're talking today what are your thoughts on that phrase when i tell you hip-hop can save america do you believe me and if you do uh how do you see it you know as being a, a something that people need to pay attention to I absolutely um, believe you. For for me, I, I I'm a testimony to that. You know, long story short, hip hop literally saved my life. You know, um, and I and I'll give you a, a brief long story. Um, you know, uh, growing up in the neighborhood that I did in in North Philly in the the early '90s. You know, um, a friend and, and I were coming from uh, a going away party for for a friend of ours, and we were standing out on the corner at 2 a.m. Um, and stick up kids rolled up on us. They had the shotgun to my head and the guy leaned over and looked at me and recognized me from rocking at a house party in the area, you know, and then let us go. Didn't rob us. Let us go. And we ran, man. And I will tell anyone, if you're talking about hip hop can save you, hip hop literally saved my life. Well, that, you know, that's it. And it, and it, and it brought you uh, a long way. Yes. Along the way from that incident and others like it, you know, I so, couldn't give it up after that. I a hundred percent. But listen, this is so like when you get, when the, when you have the book in your pocket that someone gave you and it stops the bullet in the right. movie, it's like, well, <laughs> now I'm here for a reason. Damn it. I'm here for a reason, man. <laughs> I appreciate you, man. Thank you for sharing that with me. Thank um, you. And uh, sorry you had to go through that. Uh, but uh, you know, hip hop saves the day. Yes. You know? Yes, indeed. You, as you know, you have not been the first that's been in, in your presence to say that hip hop saved their life. So yes, uh, there's a lot of ways that that uh, phrase rings true. So thank you for sharing that with us. And thank you for all your hard work, your talent, your dedication, and uh, your vision. Man, it's really impressive. And I appreciate kicking it with you. Thank you, same. All right, man. Peace. Peace. for listening to Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's smartest hip-hop podcast. I'm the creator, editor, and your host, Manny Faces. If you've been listening to this on the web, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the places. Sign up for our hand-picked, curated email newsletter at hiphopadvocacy.org. Help support this show at patreon.com slash hiphopadvocacy. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Hip Hop Advocacy. 
and email us your comments, suggestions, complaints, or praise to hiphopadvocacy at gmail.com. On behalf of associate producer Summer, the rest of our team, and all of our wonderful supporters, we thank you for listening, following, supporting, rating, reviewing, and sharing. We'll be back soon. Peace. Once again, thanks for listening to another episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's most important hip hop podcast. My name is Manny Faces. You can find out more about the show at hiphopcansaveamerica.com. You can watch the show now as a live stream on YouTube, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Check back for all the replays as well. The interviews from the live stream will be brought here onto the audio feed, so you always get the best of the live stream. You can also check out our Substack newsletter. It's free at mannyfaces.substack.com filled with stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and in general, hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. <laughs> Eternal shouts to our consulting producer, Summer McCoy. Be sure to check out her dope initiatives, Hip Hop Hacks and the Mixtape Museum. We'll be back soon with another dope episode, but check us out on the live stream as well. Mondays, 9 p.m. Eastern, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Until next time, it's Many Faces wishing peace and love to you and yours.